Dietz and Watson's been making meats and cheeses the right way since forever. What's that mean? It means never cutting corners, ever. It means cooking, not processing. It means our Virginia brand ham that's cooked to perfection, then twice baked to layer the flavors. It takes more time, but you can taste the difference. We come to work every day to do it the right way, even if it's the hard way. Because if it's not right for us, it's not right for you. Dietz and Watson, it's a family thing since 1939. And which do you prefer, playoff Lenny or Lombardi Lenny? Uh, well, my guys at Boston came up play, with playoff Lenny. You know, it's number one. And number two, uh, I take Lombardi Lenny right now. They're all getting paid. <laughs> they're all getting paid. So <laughs> that part, there ain't nobody coming back cheap. You know what I mean? We obviously have a team that, that should be uh, in the hunt again. Did you uh, get any new ink after that big win? Yeah, I came through with mine. Uh, I followed up on my bet and uh, really, really happy with it, too. Unless you look at my birth certificate, you can't tell I'm 31. By the way, I play, by the way, I run, by the way, I move. I feel like my game uh, still has a lot, 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 lot left in the tank. I think I'm different than those guys. Uh, I know my work ethic is uh, unmatched. Um, and just my dedication and my passion to wanting to be great is, is just another level. Yeah, I would say I kind of surprised myself. Um, I was going for a low 4-4, but uh, last night I was feeling good about my starts. I felt like I could have got a 4-3 this morning, and um, I did it. That was LSU receiver Jamar Chase after his pro day workout on Wednesday. 4-3-8 in the 40 with the asterisk, the caveat, the it's not the normal apples to apples year. I don't want to take anything away from the guy. He's fast, but we'd have a lot more faith in these numbers if they were generated by the official timing system at the scouting combine in Indianapolis. Instead, these numbers are popping up across the country. Scouts can do with them what they will. 438. Still fast, not a 5-0, not a 4-9, not a 4-8, clearly a fast guy and a guy who isn't expected to be fast. So this is an added bonus for a guy who may be the first receiver off the board, maybe the first non-quarterback off the board. Good afternoon, Shereen. How are you? I'm good, Mike. Haven't been on in a week. Have you missed me? I have missed you, but I'm glad you weren't here <laughs> Monday, specifically Monday morning, because that was our first show with highlights back in the package. Yeah. And the first thing they did coming on the air was your guy, Roger Staubach, throwing the ball to that cheater, Drew Pearson, who pushed Nate right and caught the pass on December 28, 1975. But I'm not bitter at all. <laughs> so uh, glad you're back and glad you weren't here Monday morning to see that. Oh, Real, there oh, it is. Really? Hey, we only Thank have you, so Matt much Casey. time per week of highlights. Do we really <laughs> want to burn 20 seconds on this? And Matt Casey says yes. Damn it. Do we have the clip where the ref gets hit in the head with the whiskey bottle? I'd like to see that clip. All right, no, and I don't condone any of that. Although that day I would have condoned it. I was only 10. You can't be mad at me. I wanted vengeance at that time. All right, anyway, back to Jamar Chase. Here he is talking about the possibility of playing with his former college quarterback, Joe Burrow, in Cincinnati, where Burrow is now the starting quarterback. I have talked to the Bengals. Um, I don't know how many times I've talked to them, though. Um, but me and Joe, you know, I, I, I wouldn't mind going back with Joe. Um, you know, if we go back together, we try to do nothing but get back on chemistry and have some more fun. I think I would have an advantage if I was to play with him only because we played a couple years. Um, but 
we'll still have to get that groove back ahead, you know, feel for it again. It's, it's not just going to be there when we throw again. So we have to build that chemistry back up and work hard again. Remember this year under the rules of the second season of the pandemic, teams can talk to as many prospects as they want. They have limits on the number of times they can speak to them, but every team could talk to Jamar Chase if it wants to. So the fact that the Bengals have spoken to him, I would suspect most teams have spoken to him just to do their due diligence and because they can, Shireen. But it's clearly an area of need for the Bengals. A.J. Green leaves via free agency. John Ross, a top 10 pick back in 2017, leaves via free agency. They've got a need there. And I'm sure Burrow wouldn't be all that upset about one of his former college teammates joining him in Cincinnati. Well, I did notice, Mike, on that, and correct me if I'm wrong, did you see the shirt he was wearing? It said Jets on it, right? Did I, did I miss something there? Was he trying to tell us something with the Jets shirt that he was wearing? You know, usually yeah, I is. notice those details. I don't Look. think that's New York Jets, though. That could be Winnipeg no. Jets. Are they still a thing? That doesn't, that's not the Jets. Matt Casey's the Jets fan. The that New doesn't York look Jets. like an official Jets thing, but... Um, I, I don't know. Maybe he's shooting a shot to be second overall. Zach Wilson, you don't need a franchise quarterback, even though you haven't had one in 50 years in New York. You need another Keyshawn Johnson. Maybe that's what he's angling for. But uh, good, good eye. Good eye. I usually pride myself on those meaningless details from press conferences. I'm still mesmerized by the fact that Bruce Arians face was as red as his shirt in what we saw to start the show. It was keeping in postseason form from 2020. But uh, yeah, look. Quarterback, number one. Quarterback, yeah. number two. Quarterback, number three. There's a thought that it's going to be a quarterback at number four. I'd say the Falcons more likely to take a quarterback than receiver. Could be. Bengals, clear shot at Chase if that's who they want at number five. Leaving Devontae Smith on the board for the Dolphins at number six, if that's how it all shakes out. So that 4-3-8 solidifies Chase as maybe the top receiver because he's not 170 pounds. I got no problem with Devontae Smith being 170, but if I got a guy who's explosive and dynamic and fast and can catch and he's not 170, that that's, you know, I, I'm not, I'm not going to fault a guy for being more than 170. I'm not going to fault Smith for being 170. I'm definitely not going to fault a guy for being more than 170, Shireen. Yeah, and Mike, you know, there were some impressive numbers that he had today at the Pro Day, to me, that were bigger than the 438, right? I mean, he had a 41-inch vertical, he had an 11-foot broad jump. Those were outstanding numbers for him. And he measured over six feet, which I think was important. There was a thought that maybe he was under six feet tall. He wasn't. He measured at six feet, over six feet. So I think that was all positive for him. I would have loved to have seen him play last year with a quarterback other than Joe Burrow, as much as they struggled on offense, just to see what he could have done to play without Justin Jefferson, to see if he could have had sort of that same year that he had the year before. I realized Joe Burrow was better than any quarterback that LSU threw out there last year. But he had outstanding numbers in 2019. He was the best receiver in football. He was better than Justin Jefferson, who was on the same seat on the same team. And we saw what Justin Jefferson did when he got to the NFL. So everyone loves this guy. They think he's going to be a star. I think it's a great receiver class. I'm not sure, kind of like last year, Mike, we saw six receivers go in the first round. And I don't know that you can go wrong. There's going to be one or two who are going to be better than the others. I mean, we saw it this year, Justin Jefferson, was a 22nd overall pick, and he was the best of that group last year. CeeDee Lamb had a really good year. The first two guys drafted, Henry Ruggs and Jerry Judy, didn't have quite so good a year. So 
I love this guy. I know NFL scouts love this guy. I'm not going to be surprised if he's the first non-quarterback off the board, Mike. And wherever he goes, I think he's going to be a standout player. And you mentioned the Bengals. He would fit right in with Tyler Boyd and T. Higgins next year, and they would have a good group of receivers for Joe Burrow. Extra pressure, higher expectations to be that first receiver off the board. And I've argued in the past, it's actually better for a receiver to go lower than he thought he should have gone. It lights a little bit of a fire. It makes him more determined. When you're that first guy, you've got you've got no real reason. Maybe maybe that's what the Jets shirt is about. Maybe he's trying to convince himself he should be number two. <laughs> yeah. So if he is number five, he can still be pissed off about something, even though he's the first receiver off the board. Now that 43840, if that number sounds familiar, that was 15 years ago. Vernon Davis out of Maryland ran a 438, but he's a tight end. Today, Florida, the top tight end on the board, Kyle Pitts, 444. Not as fast as Davis but pretty darn fast. And the 83-inch wingspan, the longest of any receiver or tight end in this year's draft. Shereen, there's a thought that this is a guy who's going to go very high. Tight ends, typically, typically, now we know a couple of years ago, TJ Hawkinson went, went top 10 for the Lions, but typically you see them go later than receivers. The best receivers go before the best tight ends for the most part. But this is a guy who who could be right in the thick of things with the first receivers off the board. Absolutely, Mike. And he's going to be a weapon for somebody. You know, he finished 10th in the Heisman race for good reason. He did have a little bit of a, a few injuries last year, some lingering stuff. I know he had a concussion at one point, and he had some lingering injury. Of course, in college, you never know what they have, but teams are going to check that out and be thoroughly convinced that that he's 100% now, but put up great numbers last year uh, with Kyle Trask as his quarterback, and I just think somebody's going to get an outstanding tight end. I know Greg Olson, I saw he tweeted today and, and called him a really special talent, and Greg Olson would know special talents at that position. Matt Rule, by the way, was the first coach to offer Kyle Pitts a scholarship coming out of high school. So I think there's interest there, but he's probably going to be gone. If the Panthers wanted Mike to replace uh, Greg Olson, what Greg Olson did, I realize he didn't play there last year, but what he did in his history in Carolina, they're going to have to trade up to get him. Kyle Pitts addressed the question of whether or not the team that currently holds the fourth pick in the draft and a team that knows a thing or two about having a great tight end, a guy named Tony Gonzalez, has he heard from the Falcons? Here's Pitts on that subject. I did talk to him a couple of times, and I talked to him. I had a day, and they're saying and they have interest in me. And uh, after after today, we'll get back on another Zoom and try, you know, they'll try and learn more about myself. So uh, I feel like they're pretty interested, and in you know, it, it will be a, a dream come true to be even be top five or the first uh, non-quarterback to come on the board. Yeah, that uh, that would be something if the Falcons would take him at number four. The, the question the Falcons would have to ask themselves, could they trade that spot to a quarterback needy team like the Carolina Panthers doing business in the division, drop down to eight and still get pits? That's part of the risk that you take because maybe maybe the next pick off the board is pits if you do slide down a few spots. But uh, the Falcons, that's an area of need for them. they got so many areas of need. That's why the idea of them taking a guy like Trey Lance, and Sims has heard the talk about Lance possibly being the Falcons' choice. When you've got a bunch of needs, the idea that you're taking a quarterback that's going to sit behind Matt Ryan for a year, maybe two, probably one, who knows. But you, you, you'd think that there are other areas that you need to address if you want to be competitive this year maybe they maybe they don't want to be as competitive they can as they can be and they're thinking more about building for the future 
Regardless, they're sitting there at four. And as Pitts said, Shireen, they're interested uh, in him. Yeah, it's going to be so interesting, Mike, to see where the quarterbacks stop. And and I'm going to be surprised if a quarterback doesn't go at four, whether it's the Falcons or another team. You know, the Falcons could certainly trade down if there's a team interested. Like you said, the Panthers possibly moving up to get a quarterback there. But I just, you know, those quarterbacks always go higher than you think they're going to go. And I, I just think we're going to have a run on quarterbacks early, and it's going to be an interesting conversation to see where the next guy falls. Is it Kyle Pitts? Uh, is it Jamar Chase? Is it Devontae Smith? Who is it that next guy? And I think everyone's pretty much agreed from what I've heard from scouts that Chase is the better prospect than Smith right now, just based on his size. So I'm going to expect that it's going to be Jamar Chase, the next guy off the board after the quarterbacks. But the question becomes, where do the quarterbacks stop? Is it three? Is it four? Is it even later than that? Do teams get scared like the 49ers did and say, hey, if we want a quarterback, we're going to have to move up to get one. It would be amazing if the run on quarterbacks goes one, two, three, four, five, and that's entirely possible with the Bengals having to trade out because surely they would not be taking a quarterback for the second straight year with a top 10 pick, not after the way Joe Burrow performed last year. A team in the first round that I think it's safe to say will not be taking a tight end. Although who knows with what they did in free agency, John U. Smith right out of the gates, Hunter Henry the next day, Patriots getting back to having multiple competent tight ends. Robert Kraft, who usually does media availability in conjunction with the league meetings when they are in person, had a conference call with reporters today, and he said, among other things, that he trusts Bill Belichick's ability to build a football team. Now, drafting and developing, I don't know that I would trust that, but the first time ever we've seen the Patriots jump aggressively into free agency, having more cap space relative to the other teams than except maybe two or three, I think they were third in total cap space going into this season where the cap was about $25 million less than it would have been. Kraft signed off on it, and Belichick did it, went out there and rounded up a bunch of guys in an effort to make the team better, Shireen. And as Kraft said to Peter King a couple of weeks ago, this is what the Patriots used to make fun of teams for doing, spending like this right out of the gates in free agency. And now for the first time in the era of free agency, at least under ownership by the Crafts, this is what the Patriots did. I remember a few years ago, I talked to Robert Kraft for a story I was doing for the Super Bowl game program about their dynasty and what they were going to do post-dynasty, how they were going to keep that going. And he was convinced that because of Bill Belichick, they wouldn't have any down years, that they would just keep this dynasty going forever. That obviously didn't happen, but... I was a little bit impressed with what they did last season with the roster they had, Mike. Winning seven games with that roster was a feat. And I think they've improved the talent on the team. To me, it still goes back to the quarterback, though. I don't know what the the future is at that position. I know Robert Kraft today expressed confidence in Jarrett Stidham and said, we just haven't seen enough to know. Well, I would agree with that, but you didn't make him your quarterback last year when you had a chance to. And it doesn't look like you're going to make him your quarterback this year. So I would have serious doubts about whether Jarrett Stidham is your quarterback of the future. So they still have to find that quarterback of the future because it's probably not going to be Cam Newton considering his age and his injury history. Kraft addressed Cam Newton's performance last year and said, in fairness to Cam, I'm not sure he had the proper weapons around him last year. Take that 
remaining members of the Patriots who were the weapons around Cam Newton last year. The boss doesn't think you were very good. Don't don't buy rent heading into 2021. But I think more than anything else, that COVID diagnosis screwed up Cam Newton. I thought he was solid early in the season. I was fascinated by what they were doing to develop an offense for him. Josh McDaniels using the Tebow offense that McDaniels had prepared in Denver for the inevitable ascension of Tebow to the top of the depth chart. Of course, by the time it happened, McDaniels had been fired, but he still had developed the offense for use by Tim Tebow. And Newton's a better runner, a better passer, a better everything than Tebow was. I think that COVID situation screwed everything up for Newton and in turn for the Patriots. And now you put better weapons around him. You look at the guys they've brought in, I, I and that they won seven games with a team that was so bad. Plenty of reason for optimism this year for the New England Patriots, Shereen. Well, you know, Mike, we've seen these dream team scenarios. You know, I keep going back to the Eagles in 2011 when they were supposed to have this dream team. They did this in free agency and obviously went 8-8 eight and eight that season, didn't have the dream team they thought. Every time we see a team load up with free agents, it doesn't seem to work. But if it's going to work anywhere, it's going to work with Bill Belichick, right? He picked his kind of guys. Some of them have already been with the Patriots before, like Kyle Van Noy, and have come home uh, to roost again. So if if it's going to work anywhere, it's going to work in New England. And I do think they've upgraded the talent there in New England. They, they spent what – the last time I checked, it was the second most guaranteed money in the history of free agency – that they had given out, and I don't know what the case is now. They may be number one by now. Shoot, who knows? But they spent a lot of money. We can all agree on that and signed a lot of free agents to try to help this team win more games this season. And I think if you're the Bills, you look at them a little bit now thinking, all right, you know, have we improved enough in the offseason to stay ahead of what the Patriots have done? And you look at what the Dolphins are doing. You look at what the Jets may do with the presumed acquisition of Zach Wilson. AFC East, very, very good division. And I'm all in with you on the idea that that Eagles team in 2011 loaded up, created expectations. The ill-advised comment by Vince Young that it's a dream team. The groans came from Philadelphia, at least from the front office the moment he said it. But remember, in 2011, that was when free agency began in August, and there was a lot of deck shuffling that happened then this time at least they've got the guys under the tent months in advance to really work it up and I think with Bill Belichick the more time you give him with a team the better the team's going to be and that's why Belichick probably hoping to get plenty of time with these guys on the field in the offseason we'll talk more about the plan for the offseason program coming up seven and nine was the record as we mentioned last year for the New England Patriots and Robert Kraft was asked about going seven and nine how did I feel He said, I'm not going to use the word, but it was horrible. What do we think the word was, Shireen? Like, I would say, would be the beginning of it. I think that would be, that would probably be my guess. Because that's that's probably the right feeling. I think we're live. Well, I think we're live on Sky Sports, right? So we can't say it today, Mike. No, I don't think we're live on Sky Sports in the offseason. Oh, we're not? Yeah, but. Just during the season. I actually think, I, we can't say it anyway. We can't say it on Peacock either. Even though, even though I've watched plenty of shows and movies on Peacock and the language is not PG, by the way. I don't know why we're <laughs> restricted. Russell Crowe can say the F word. I can't say the F word. I got a problem with that. Who does Russell Crowe think he is? All due respect. Uh, but anyway, 
Uh, actually, right now on Sky is the PFT live show from today. So instead of taking us live in the afternoon, okay. the folks at Sky got to deal with me and Sims from earlier today. Um, so anyway, look, we both are on the same page. Patriots, compelling, interesting, a great laboratory experiment. Whatever it yeah. does, it's going to be memorable. It's going to be significant. And it's going to be fun to watch. And you throw in on top of everything else. We haven't talked about this. The idea that that extra game hosting the Dallas Cowboys, your Cowboys right. this year, just another compelling moment and opportunity for the Patriots with all these new players to show what they can do. I have a feeling Cowboys at Patriots will occupy a primetime slot somewhere. Oh, there's no doubt about that, Mike. It will be on primetime, probably on NBC on Sunday night football, and we can all look forward to that game. And I would bet it's toward the, the beginning of the season rather than the end of the season because you don't know how either one of these teams are going to shake out this year. That, that's true. Don't hold back some of these games where you've got health questions with key players because it could end up being a Monday night game that gets flexed out of Monday night to Sunday, although I don't think the flex is starting this year. I think that starts in 2023. The Seattle Seahawks have signed receiver Tyler Lockett to a four-year extension, so at least they know who'll be catching passes. Still not entirely sure who'll be throwing passes, even though the whole Russell Wilson thing has died down it won't completely go away, at least within league circles. It continues to be a hot spot, an area that folks are watching. We're four weeks and a day away from the draft. And who knows? Hey, the thing about the San Francisco 49ers trade from last week, Shireen, it's a reminder that anything can happen. So when that goes down, any trade can go down. And it could be Russell Wilson gets traded and Tyler Lockett's going to have some other quarterback. Maybe Jimmy Garoppolo will be the quarterback in Seattle. Who knows? You, you got to be ready for anything. That's what I love about that trade from last week. Almost as much as the intrigue that it brings to the 49ers. It's a reminder to everyone, don't let your guard down because we're, we're a moment away any given day from another jaw dropper like the one we saw on Friday. Oh, and, and it's coming, Mike. I mean, Deshaun Watson is going to get traded at some point, whether that's before the draft, after the draft, during the season, at the trade deadline, whatever that is. That's another one we can look forward to happening. And I do think we're going to see some of those trades in the draft for teams moving up for the quarterback. You have to have a quarterback, Mike. I, I don't care. Like, you still can't win in this league if you don't have one of those franchise quarterbacks, I just don't think it can be done in this day and age. If you can't score points and, and gain yards and go 80 yards consistently, I just don't know that you can win in this league. So every team's looking for one. Only a handful of teams have one. We, we've been over that. How many teams are, are married to their quarterback and their quarterback married to them for the next two years? And it's not very many. So every team's looking to upgrade at that position, or most teams are looking to upgrade at that position, Mike. By the way, I didn't point it out. We showed it earlier. Russell Wilson, his approval like articulated via Twitter with emojis and whatnot. He's been doing that a lot, though. And I don't know if it's real or I don't know if it's some sort of passive aggressive thing. But there it is. The homie TD Lock at 12. Let's go. You deserve it all. Love you, bro. No commitment there, though, that Wilson will be the quarterback. But that's the impression he's creating because he's approved of many of the moves that the team has made. Another reason why I think there's this land rush concept for quarterbacks, as we see 
led by Tom Brady, but others as well, more and more quarterbacks playing deeper and deeper into their life spans, it becomes even more valuable. These are the guys who are busting through the normal duration of a football player's career. So if you get a guy who can be the guy, it's not 10 years anymore. It's 15 or 20 years if you get one of these guys and he's really good. Can you imagine having your quarterback position taken care of for a generation? I think that's what makes it more important, and that's why those teams at the top of the draft are angling for quarterbacks. If you're wrong, you'll be back in two or three years looking for another one. If you're right, you won't be back looking for a quarterback in round one for 20 years, potentially. And I think that Tom Brady, this is another another example of what Tom Brady has done to the quarterback position. It makes it more valuable, more important, because when you have a good one, given the rules, given all the different workout regimens and the obsession with diet and fitness, the quarterbacks have, have become not quite immortal, but by the normal average player career length standards, they basically are immortal. You think, Mike, about how much that position has changed. I mean, even in the last, what, five years that guys are playing like you could Drew Brees and Ben Roethlisberger and Tom Brady. I mean, they're they're playing into their late 30s, early 40s, and it's it, we, we kind of expect it now. I mean, when Warren Moon was doing this, we're like, holy cow, nobody's ever done this before, aside from, you know, George Blanda, who, you know, kicked a lot too. He, I don't know how much quarterback he played into his 40s, but he was still on a team into his 40s. But we really hadn't seen it until Warren Moon did what he did uh, in his era. But not only that has changed, Mike, but you're seeing quarterbacks change teams. I mean, when Roger Staubach went to the Cowboys, we knew he was going to finish his career with the Cowboys. It was before free agency happened, and we knew that that he was going to stay there. But even when free agency started, we saw most of the top quarterbacks start and finish their careers in the same place. And then, you know, when Joe Montana left to go to Kansas City, it was a huge deal that he left the 49ers because we really hadn't seen that before. And now we've seen it with Peyton Manning and Tom Brady and some of the greatest quarterbacks of all time have played for multiple teams. And it's just when you think nothing of it now when these quarterbacks get traded and, it, and it's a big deal that they play for more than one team. It's more the rule than the exception that they play for multiple teams. Yeah. The Drew Brees and Drew Brees actually played for multiple teams, so he doesn't count. Ben Roethlisberger, the yeah, only guy yes. recently who's managed to go wire to wire with the same team, and he presumably will call it quits with the Steelers. Eli Manning also did the same thing, yeah. but it makes you wonder the current guys out there, the franchise guys, will they finish their career? Led by Aaron Rodgers, obviously, but some of these other guys currently in their 20s. I mean, Russell Wilson's the next one that we expect at yeah. some point he's going to play for another team. These guys in their 20s, as they get older and older, will they end up playing somewhere else? God forbid, I'm going to send Chiefs fans into a frenzy by even thinking, not even saying, but thinking what I'm thinking yeah. about a possible future with someone else wearing number 15, although that won't happen because they'll retire his number until they unretire it when they have another 15 that they want to give number 15 <laughs> to, as we learned earlier this offseason. Let's take a break. When we return, you mentioned Deshaun Watson. At one point, it looked like there was no way they would trade him out of Houston. Then just as it looked like they were warming up to it, these other issues landed. It's been 15 days, 21 lawsuits, but the magic number this afternoon was 18. We'll explain why when PFTPM continues right after this. 
Dietz and Watson's been making meats and cheeses the right way since forever. What's that mean? It means never cutting corners, ever. It means cooking, not processing. It means our Virginia brand ham that's cooked to perfection, then twice baked to layer the flavors. It takes more time, but you can taste the difference. We come to work every day to do it the right way, even if it's the hard way. Because if it's not right for us, it's not right for you. Dietz and Watson, it's a family thing since 1939. The longest field goal ever attempted is 76 yards. The longest field goal ever missed, also 76 yards. Why bring this up? Because knowing your limits matters, both when you're kicking a field goal and when you gamble. Betting more than you're comfortable with is like trying a 70-yard field goal. It probably won't go well. So set a limit when you gamble and stick to it. Want more helpful tips like this? Go to KeepItFunOhio.com for games, quizzes, and lots of ways to keep your gambling from getting out of hand. Hear that? It's the call of the Crave. And when the Crave calls, you know what to do. Try the $5 Bacon Bundle. Because the only thing better than a White Castle slider is a White Castle slider topped with crispy hickory smoked bacon. So pick any two of either the Bacon Cheese Slider, 1921 Bacon Cheese Slider, or Chicken Bacon Ranch Slider. And also get a small fry for just $5 with the $5 Bacon Bundle. White Castle. Follow your crave. Twenty-one lawsuits now filed against Deshaun Watson. Two more today. Here's the key, though. This statement appeared in my email box this afternoon, and I was stunned when I opened it up and I saw not just that 18 massage therapists have supported Deshaun Watson, but that each one attached a name. And with each name, there was a quote regarding her experiences with Deshaun Watson. Some of the massage therapist I thought went a little a little too far for my liking into editorializing about the veracity of the other complaints. Just because one massage therapist wasn't assaulted by Deshaun Watson doesn't mean that none ever were, Shireen. But, you know, the other reality, and, 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 and there were two big takeaways. One, if you can round up 18 massage therapists and get statements with their names attached to them, how can you act like you have no idea who the 21 people who sued you are, which Rusty Harden has said multiple times? And then secondly, when you throw in Mary, the individual who spoke to Jenny Ventus of SI.com, different name, but, but Mary is how she's known in the story, 1 plus 21 plus 18 is 40. I, I, and, and I've seen that reaction including from former NFL lineman Jermon Bushrod, said, I played 12 years. I never had half that many therapists during my entire career. 40 massage therapists in a fairly limited time frame is causing a lot of people to say, this is just off. So, yeah, look, I know what Rusty Harden is trying to do, but I feel like every time he makes a statement, there's something in there that in a roundabout way undermines his, his bigger picture objective. It's troubling to me, Mike, the 40. That's my big takeaway from this is how how often are you getting a massage to have 40? Because a lot of them said in those statements multiple times, right? So how often is he getting massages? Why are they all women? I mean, most NFL players, as I said before, get massages and they get them frequently. I get it. I I, I understand the need for it. Hey, I've, I've had massages too before COVID. Love it. It's a great experience. I went to the same one almost all the time. 
Most guys have one massage therapist, maybe two that they use, but they employ these people. Like Emmett Smith, went, I know, went and got multiple massages from the same person all the time. He had a person on call who, who showed up and, and did his massages. And most of the time, frankly, Mike, they're male masseuses who do these things for NFL players. And these were all women. Now, maybe he also went to some men, which adds to the total of massage therapists that he's used over the years. So that's my trouble with this. And then you're right. The the first woman that Rusty Harden has quoted in the story talks about, oh, I giggled when I saw that that Deshaun requested a towel, had a towel. I taught him to do that, to use the towel instead of the All right, you just said that you proved part of her statement that, he used the towel, right? So, and then she went on to say, as you have pointed out, to say that I can't believe that Deshaun would do this. That I just don't think they're being truthful. Well, just because you and I go into a restaurant and have different experiences doesn't mean our experiences weren't true. You might have had great service and a great meal, and I might have had crappy service and a crappy meal. That doesn't mean either one of us were, was lying. We just had different different experiences in this same restaurant, Mike. So. There are so many questions with this thing. I don't know how this is going to end, but there are a lot of questions I have, starting with why so many massage therapists and why use Instagram for massage therapists. And it's entirely possible all 40 of the massage therapists who are now involved in this case, the 18 whose names we know, the 22 whose names we don't, Absolutely. entirely possible they're all telling the truth. That 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 is one possible Absolutely. way to explain this. And I, I believe, Shireen, because last week, if you remember, Rusty Harden's statement said that they have received unsolicited statements of support for Deshaun Watson from multiple massage therapists. And my reaction to that was, well, how can you say you need to tell us the names of the people who are suing and you're not going to supply the names of the people who support him? And lo and behold, that's what they did today. I think that when it's time for Deshaun Watson to start responding to these complaints, the first line of defense very well may be some effort to either dismiss the cases as pleaded or seek a more definite statement, all in an effort to shine a light on the fact that you've got 19 plaintiffs, none of whom will attach a name to it, none of whom can be objectively identified or verified by anyone other than Watson to the extent he kept any records that could be reconstructed. But I think back to the Antonio Brown case, still pending sexual assault and rape. He's he's accused of rape. Brittany Taylor's name has been attached to the lawsuit from day one. Ben Roethlisberger was accused of rape in a civil complaint that was filed in November of 2009. The first step toward what eventually was his four game suspension in 2010. The individual attached her name to that civil claim for rape. I'm not saying you have to do it. It just gets to a point where when you have 19 and they're all represented by the same guy and they're all proceeding anonymously, like, is, is it possible that one of the 19 is fine with her name being disclosed, but she's been pressured by Tony Busby because they want to have this grand united front of 19 Jane Doe plaintiffs just to make it Harder for Deshaun Watson and Rusty Harden to know what the hell is going on. I just that that's my concern, especially when I see statements like the one I saw last night from Tony Busby. The explanation out of the blue on social media as to why he had not made good on his promise to submit evidence 
to the Houston Police Department for a potential criminal prosecution. And, and this idea that he didn't do it because he ran for mayor and he was critical of the former police chief when he ran for mayor, even though Art Acevedo is no longer the police chief in Houston. And Rusty Harden's got a son or some other relative that works for the Houston police. I Look, I, I, conspiracy, Mike, can be in full effect any given moment. I can be as cynical as anyone, and there are reasons to be cynical about the things people say. But the idea that the Houston Police Department would not take seriously the complaints made by 19 individuals, now 21 individuals, because somebody's got a problem with the lawyer who represents them, I, I, I think that's ridiculous. Look, I got concerns about Tony Busby and his tactics, but I, I still am going to give his 21 clients the full benefit of the doubt and see what their stories are. It's possible all 21 are telling the truth, and Tony Busby is just doing things I don't like. So I, 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 I was... I, that was just one of those, when I saw that last night, I thought, what in the hell is this? And if I was a family member of one of these 19 individuals who was suing, I'd say, fire Tony Busby and go hire somebody else, because this guy's getting in the way of your opportunity to get full and complete justice. Yeah, at this point, Mike, and as you pointed out over the last couple of weeks, if if you're married in that story and decide to sue, you should go see somebody else other than Tony Busby. I think it would serve you well to to go get a different lawyer. But yeah, it, it makes no sense that you wouldn't take this to the Houston Police Department. Um, they're going to investigate, right? That's what they do. And whether they have Rusty Harden has a son or relative or whatever within the police department, I still believe that the Houston Police Department w- would investigate. If you have evidence here, they're going to look into this. They're going to talk to these women uh, that that have accused Deshaun Watson of what they've accused him of. So, yeah, I didn't understand that at all. I still don't get it. And I would look forward to hearing from the Houston Police Department and where they stand on this. And, and why do you want to agitate gratuitously if you're Tony Busby yeah. and you're trying to get justice? And I, I don't know how Rusty Harden and Deshaun Watson are looking at this, but court of public opinion, Tony Busby had a huge lead based upon the first week or so. Over the course of the past couple of days, Rusty Harden, Deshaun Watson, thanks to Busby's bizarre comment from last night and the 18 individuals who are on the record They've made up some ground, but at the at the core, and I see this reaction more than anything else on social media. Why do you have forty different people in a year or so time frame who are giving you these massages? And uh, if and when Deshaun Watson is ever under oath in one of these cases, that's one of the questions he will be asked. Let's take a break. We're going to pop open the mailbag when this Wednesday edition of PFTPM continues right after this. Dietz and Watson's been making meats and cheeses the right way since forever. What's that mean? It means never cutting corners, ever. It means cooking, not processing. It means our Virginia brand ham that's cooked to perfection, then twice baked to layer the flavors. It takes more time, but you can taste the difference. 
we come to work every day to do it the right way, even if it's the hard way. Because if it's not right for us, it's not right for you. Dietz and Watson, it's a family thing since 1939. The longest field goal ever attempted is 76 yards. The longest field goal ever missed? Also 76 yards. Why bring this up? Because knowing your limits matters, both when you're kicking a field goal and when you gamble. Betting more than you're comfortable with is like trying a 70-yard field goal. It probably won't go well. So set a limit when you gamble and stick to it. Want more helpful tips like this? Go to KeepItFunOhio.com for games, quizzes, and lots of ways to keep your gambling from getting out of hand. Life is a highway, and on it there will be many chicken sandwiches. But there's only one crispy. so go ahead and hit the turn signal if you know about this juicy gem of a detour. What's up, buddy? Hey, Ben, can I call you back? I'm about to go wet the water. You're going to do what? Wet the water. I'll call oh, you back. Yeah. yeah, all right. Bye. Yo! Let me call you back. I'm about to have a baby. Yo, let me call you back. I got a full of dishes. Sir, I thought I was on the phone when you called, buddy. It's all good, Coach. Hey, Coach, can I call you back? I'm buying a Christmas tree right now. <laughs> You're buying a Christmas tree? Yeah. Yeah, sure, buddy. Call me back. Yo! What up? Hey, let me call you back. I'm pregnant. All right. Hey, can, all I, right. can I call you back? I'm in a meeting. Yo! Hey, listen, listen, listen. Let me call you back. I'm having a baby. Why the f you talking in? Yo, let me call you back. I'm Christmas shopping right now. <laughs> Josh Allen's like, I know something is up here. Uh, Isaiah McKenzie having some fun with a video posted by the Bills website on Twitter. Uh, okay. Let's look at some of the questions we got today on Twitter. Stay in the AFCs. Craig most chow. Why shouldn't the dolphins just take Justin Fields at six? If he's there, if he's bad Tua is fine. If he's amazing, you have another asset more valuable than any other rookie. This takes best available player to the extreme. We got a quarterback, but the best guy on our boards, another quarterback. Let's just go. Another quarterback like Jimmy Johnson in 89 when he used a first-round supplemental pick on Steve Walsh just months after he drafted Troy Aikman. Shireen, should they do that? Well, I'm not sold on Tua. They seem to be sold on Tua. I guess if you've seen enough from him in practice to say he's your quarterback, you try to build around him, right? But since I'm not sold on Tua, I absolutely would do that. If I think Justin Fields is a really good quarterback, my scouts have scouted him and say he's going to be a great quarterback, absolutely I would do that. I just think you double your chances of having a franchise, guys. We talked about for possibly the next 15 to 20 years, if Tua's not the guy, then maybe this is the guy, right? Instead of being back in the quarterback market next year or the year after, you have your guy. And maybe you're not drafting that high next year or the year after. You look at what the Lions did last year at number three overall. They didn't draft Justin Herbert. 
And now they are where they are with Jared Goff as their quarterback. So absolutely, that's what I would do. But I'm not the Dolphins, and I think they're sold on Tua. So I think they have no plans to do that, Mike. This would be the ultimate smokescreen, all-in move, Jedi mind trick. If you're the Dolphins and you're sitting at three and, and have any quarterback that you can get other than Trevor Lawrence and presumably Zach Wilson, drop to 12, jump to six, create the impression you're there to get one of the top non-quarterbacks and then take Fields. If Fields is there, that would be awesome. But I I just, I don't see that happening. They would have stayed at three. If they liked Fields that much, stay at three and get him. I think they want to give Tua another year. And by picking up the extra first rounder that they acquired in that, that trade down, trade back up, because they gave up one of the first rounders to the Eagles, but they still have a net first rounder going into next year out of the transaction. That can be a piece that they use to move up next year if they decide to get in better position to get a quarterback. So I I understand the thinking. I just think the moment they traded out a three, the quarterback possibility evaporated unless they really are up to something that would be genius. That would be awesome, too, wouldn't it? But you look at all the teams, Mike, the, the year they passed on on Dan Marino, for instance, Joe Montana, for instance. I know the Cowboys did that because they said, hey, we have our quarterback. We're passing on this guy. And look what Dan Marino and, and Joe Montana turned out to be. So that's my only reservation with passing on a quarterback. If you truly think that guy's going to be a franchise guy, I just don't know that you pass on him. By the way, our new NBC colleague, Drew Brees, told Rich Eisen yesterday that it wasn't just 2006 when the Dolphins passed on Brees. The Dolphins led Brees to believe that they were taking him in the low 20s in 2001. They took Jamar Fletcher, cornerback, instead when Brees thought he was going to get the call because obviously at the time they were still in their post-Dan Marino who the heck is our quarterback going to be? So they passed on Breeze. Sorry, Dolphins fans, but it's the truth. Not once, but twice. Ed's Dubbit. I think that's what it is. Easy Dubbit. Easy Dubbit. Maybe that's it. What is the Lions for? I don't know. What is the Lions first round selection worth trade value if Justin Fields is on the board at number seven? Now, uh, you know, th- this is complicated because one of the big factors is how far down are you going? Because obviously there's going to be a flip-flop of picks. Are you flipping 7-8 and eight with the Panthers? Are you flipping 7-9 and nine with the Broncos? Are you flipping 7-15 and 15 with the Patriots? Who are you flipping with at number 7? And I think how far down you go dictates necessarily how much more that team has to give up. Shereen, it's that simple. And I'm not so sure if Justin Fields is there that I'm not going to draft Justin Fields if, I, if I've if i scouted him and I think he's going to be, again, a franchise quarterback. If I'm the Lions, I may take him. Certainly could be better than, than Jared Goff. Is Jared Goff your quarterback of the future? Brad Holmes seems to like him. But, again, he's not a guy I'm sold on as being their future at the quarterback position. And we saw it last year when they passed on Justin Herbert. So they have an opportunity here if Justin Fields is here to draft perhaps their quarterback of the future. So I'm not trained down. If I'm the Lions, I'm taking him. Also, with Chris Spielman now in a position of significant influence in that organization, he's got a big old spoon in the stew that is the Lions organization. What's he going to do when a high State guy is smiling at him? 
at number seven. Is he going to be able to set that aside, right? Is he going to be able to set that aside? Because I know somebody who, if she was special advisor to Sheila Fordham and Texas A&M guy is smiling at them at number seven, Shereen Williams isn't going to say no to Texas A&M guy. And that leads into our next question. JR, the boss man, how does Texas A&M great Kellen Mond to Tennessee sound to you. He could grow and develop behind Texas A&M great Ryan Tannehill. Well, I, you know, I think that'd be a good spot for him to go learn from Ryan Tannehill, right? I, I think, you know, when I first started asking scouts about Kellen Mond and what they thought about him, uh, probably into his senior year, so sometime during the fall last year, they said fourth round. This guy's not going to last till the fourth round. I think he's probably going to go in the second round, maybe the third round, but I, quarterbacks always go higher than we think, right? And I do have questions about his consistency, his accuracy, but he's played a lot of football, and he's played a lot of SEC football, and he's won a lot of SEC games. They were 9-1 and one this past season, so you have to say something for that. He ran a complicated pro-style offense, and he ran it really well for Jimbo Fisher. He's taken a lot of snaps under center. So he's done a lot of the things you look for in a quarterback. So I think he's going to go somewhere, and I think he's, he's going to be a decent starter or a, a really good backup for somebody. But it would behoove him to go somewhere where he can sit, I think, for a year, Mike, and learn. Even though he has all that experience, I still think it's better for those young guys to go sit most of the time. And remember, the Sims quarterback rankings this year go Zach Wilson, Trevor Lawrence, Mac Jones, and not Justin Fields, not Trey Lance, but Kellen Mond at number four. And he says that Phil Sims turned him on to Kellen Mond during the season, and he started paying attention to him, and he believes that that Mond is, again, ahead of Fields and Lance by way of overall prospect value. So we'll see where Mond ends up. One more quick one before we break. An important question from Dr. J., 144. Who smokes more cigarettes, me or Jay Cutler? And Shereen, you may have missed this. And if you didn't watch the show this week, I, I, saw it. I can't really yeah, blame I you. Saw it. But the conspiracy Mike Photoshop job yeah. is so good that one of our friends in the UK actually emailed and said, I didn't know you smoked cigarettes. <laughs> so, uh, yeah, um, that's not me. That isn't me. It's awesome, though, isn't it? Yeah. So the answer is Jay Cutler smokes more cigarettes than me. Cigars, it may be a tie. Cigarettes, Jay Cutler gets that title. Let's take a break. We got some more news to get to. By the way, just in the event anyone's confused, that is a photo from It's Always Sunny in Philadelphia. Excellent show. Not on Peacock yet, but maybe someday it will be when we return. A roundup of more news and notes from around the National Football League on this Wednesday edition of PFTPM. We'll be right back. It was a difficult process, you know. Uh, I know what I deserve. You know, I, I believe in myself. You know, and uh, and just wanted to come back and enjoy myself. You know, instead of me coming, you know, being a new face on the block, uh, just came back to the team that I enjoyed my process with. You know, and I think uh, me coming to this team it kind of humbled me too a lot. You know, being around so much talent. And you're so used to being, you know, that guy on the team. And I think 
it, it just helped me de- develop me as a, a better a better man too. You know, uh, despite I could have went somewhere, got more money, but uh, I think this is just the place right now for me. Leonard Fournette meeting with the media stays in Tampa Bay after winning a Super Bowl. He was thrown overboard by the Jaguars late in the offseason, just before the start of the regular season last year. In Tampa, he shares the load with Ronald Jones. He could have been potentially a starter somewhere else. The money's just not there in free agency for running backs, even if he could have made a little bit more somewhere else. Why uproot your life and go to a team that may not be a real contender when you're in a spot where you can have another big year, maybe win another Super Bowl, enjoy yourself in the process, no state income tax in Florida. So unless we see the numbers that were out there by way of how much more he could have made elsewhere, I think it makes sense for him to stick around. Remember, he's a guy at one point that needed a pep talk from Coach Bruce Arians because he he was kind of the forgotten man. And uh, he, he worked his way back into things and really took off in the postseason, Shereen. Yeah, he was a healthy scratch for three games and had one uh, snap in another game. So he was not used very much in a stretch there. And aside from week two when he went over 100 yards, Mike, he really wasn't a factor in the regular season. But then he turned into playoff Lenny, right? In the postseason, he had 82 touches for 448 yards and four touchdowns in the four postseason games. And it was much better than what he did in 13 regular season games, which included three starts. So he was really good in the postseason. I think he's caught on to their offense. To me, he was an important signing because I just like what he and Ronald Jones together bring to that offense. And I think they're, you know, they have their weapons back in place. We know they have all 22 starters, first time since 1979 that a, t- that a Super Bowl champion has brought back all 22 starters. So this is exciting for the Tampa Bay Buccaneers. And the one guy they're still trying to get, Antonio Brown, Bruce Arians said yesterday that there are offers out for Brown. We'll see whether or not he takes them. Two years ago, the Giants mildly surprised folks who weren't paying attention when they took Daniel Jones in the top 10 at quarterback, the successor to Eli Manning. And here we go in year three. uh, Giants co-owner John Maris said, we think the world of Daniel Jones in this building, I mean, regardless of what they think of him, year three is kind of up or out for most of these quarterbacks. You either declare yourself to be the guy by year three or you don't. And then the questions become, where are you going to be next year? You become the Sam Darnold of 2022 if you don't have a strong year this year. And the big flaw with Daniel Jones continues to be the idea that he just holds on to the football too long. He's got to speed up the clock in his head. If he can get past that, then maybe he can become a franchise quarterback, Shereen. But You know, we saw Josh Allen do it last year when he made a major step forward. We saw Sam Darnold not do it last year when he didn't make that major step forward. Year three, that's the key. We'll see if Jones can do it. Yeah, and Mike, I just always like quarterbacks with a pedigree of winning, right? And this is a guy who's 25 and 37 in his career in college and the pros and I know a lot of people say, well, wins aren't a, a quarterback statistic. Well, they still tell a story, right? Because the greatest quarterbacks in history lift the team. They lift those around them. I mean, we saw it with Tom Brady this year, lift the Buccaneers team that hadn't done much in the past and turned them into a Super Bowl champion. Now, the Giants have invested a lot of money now. They've given $120 million guaranteed this offseason to bring in free agents to upgrade, including Kenny Galladay. So we're going to see what he can do this year. But I'm with you. This is his key year. If he can't get it done this year, the Giants are going to be back in that quarterback market after this year. 
And I agree with you completely when it comes to the quarterback's impact on a team's ability to win. A great quarterback holds guys accountable, pulls guys together, and gets them to perform at a higher level than they otherwise would. A good quarterback is as valuable as a great coach because he gets more as a leader out of his teammates. By the way, the Bears reportedly voted against the 17-game schedule. We thought every owner wanted it. I, I don't know. Maybe the Bears are content to be 8-8. Eight and eight. They don't want to roll the dice and go 8-9, and nine, Shireen. Well, I'm going to be curious to, to hear why the Bears voted against this because I expected it to be a 32-0 vote, Mike, and it certainly wasn't. And if anybody was going to vote against it, it would have been Mike Brown of the Bengals because he has a reputation yes. for voting against everything. But this is easy. It's just more money. It's more money. Why would anyone say no to it? The NFL may say no to the union's effort to have a virtual offseason program. Demora Smith, the NFLPA executive director, said they're still working it through. Shereen, what's your gut feel? Yes or no on an on-field offseason program this year? Yes, I think they do have yeah. one. I agree. And I think they were going to say, get vaccinated and you can show up. See you tomorrow. Thanks for some of your time. Dietz and Watson's been making meats and cheeses the right way since forever. What's that mean? It means never cutting corners, ever. It means cooking, not processing. It means our Virginia brand ham that's cooked to perfection, then twice baked to layer the flavors. It takes more time, but you can taste the difference. We come to work every day to do it the right way, even if it's the hard way. Because if it's not right for us, it's not right for you. Dietz and Watson, it's a family thing since 1939. The longest field goal ever attempted is 76 yards. The longest field goal ever missed, also 76 yards. Why bring this up? Because knowing your limits matters, both when you're kicking a field goal and when you gamble. Betting more than you're comfortable with is like trying a 70-yard field goal. It probably won't go well. So set a limit when you gamble and stick to it. Want more helpful tips like this? Go to KeepItFunOhio.com for games, quizzes, and lots of ways to keep your gambling from getting out of hand.